We're talking about how to grow and build a relationship with God. And as some of you, we're talking about spiritual maturity. Some of you might care about that a little bit more or less than others, but I just want to so encourage you today to take this deeply seriously, this topic of growing spiritually mature, because if you want to develop the best life here on earth, plus eternity, you want to be spiritually mature. And here's why. Because real spiritual maturity breathes life into everything. It just does. It breathes life into your family, into your, the other relationships you have in your life, into your career, into your school, into the future. It just breathes life and brings life. Spiritual maturity is a growing relationship with God, so it covers the totality of your life. And like all relationships, your relationship with God is dynamic, not static, meaning it's moving, it's growing, it's cultivating, it's changing, it's living, and it's active. And so what that means is because it's dynamic, either you're growing, you're going forward, or you're going backwards, right? So you're increasing or you're declining. And it is our hope that through this series, that in these days ahead and weeks ahead and months ahead, this summer, summer of 2018, that you will grow spiritually, you will mature spiritually, you will go forward rather than backwards, that when September comes, you will be a stronger person, you'll be a stronger Christian than a weaker, less capable one, right? So today, Will you make that decision that I am going to grow closer to God? Not just a great lifelong decision, but we're really just zoning in. We want it to be intentional. We don't want it to be ambiguous. We want intentionality here, that you're today you're deciding, you're choosing to grow closer to God. This summer, what are you going to do? Because I promise you in the coming weeks and months, you're going to grow closer to God or you're going to decline in your relation with God. You say, I've been doing this for 30 years. No, listen to me. I know. <laughs> I, I see you. Listen, stop this cycle of one step forward, two steps back, two steps forward, two steps back. Grow this summer. Christy and I, we're trying to plan our summer you know, for our family, uh, what we're going to do, trying to, and we, we want to grow closer. Time flies, our kids are getting older. We really want to try and grow closer to our kids and to each other this summer. So we're scheduling out like intentional times and things to do, you know, to grow closer to each other uh, and to God. And me personally, I'm like, okay, what book am I going to read this summer that covers a certain area in my walk with God, uh, giving prayer, uh, maybe on something I might be struggling with in my spirituality. Uh, what Bible, what book in the Bible am I going to read, you know, this summer? Uh, in August, we're going to spend the month of August every single week here going. We have a series called Tattooed on You. Of course, only here, right? And we're going to take every week one verse in the Bible and just go at it, man and learn about it and apply it to our lives and dig down on it. And I'll show you kind of how I did that. And, and that's going to be August, just filled with just these really popular and life-changing scriptures. So I, I encourage you to do that, you know? When I, when I talked about last, you know, this summer to be determined to grow spiritually, last week I talked about how when I first was introduced to Christy and I was attracted to her, right? You know, I was kind of captivated her. And then we talked on the phone a couple of days later, or really kind of the next day at night. You know, we talked on the phone for the first time two hours. And, and of course, I did like 
most of the talking. Christy did a lot of the laughing. Uh, but, you know, nonetheless, when I got off the phone, I, was blow- I really was like head over heels. And I said, man, I want to get closer to this young lady. I want to know more of her. Problem was, we're 400 miles apart. We can only talk on the phone. I had just had an altercation, and I had broken my hand, so I couldn't even write letters to her. I think I did write one letter, and I had somebody write it for me, so she thought I had nice handwriting. <laughs> it's a true story. And the other problem was layered with problems here. She was going to a very strict Bible college. You were not allowed to have phones in your room, no cell phones in those days. And the only available phone was one pay phone on the entire floor that had to be shared by like 50 or 60 uh, young women in that dorm. And, and, there was only, and so there was certain times strategically when I knew I could call her if I was going to get her, you know, and, and talk to her. And that conflicted with my schedule, whatever, if that's what you want to call it what I had. So I had to intentionally make changes to make sure I could talk to her more, to be as close as I could to her, to get to, get to know more of her. And, and in my case, it was the, one of the best times was Friday morning, right before she was going to class. It seemed as though that for some reason that was when the phone was most available. Like if I called, it wasn't busy, right? I mean, I actually spent time into figuring this out. So I'd call Friday morning, this time knowing that they would get her and she would still have enough time to talk to me for like 10, 15 minutes and then go to class. Problem was, I used to go out and party Thursday night and I'd get home at like 4 o'clock in the morning. So I would sleep till about 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. And I had to call her at like 7.30 in the morning. So I had to adjust my partying schedule and my habits. Literally, I had to drink less, I had to go. It was a whole inconvenience, a whole change in my schedule Thursday night. But I changed some habits, and I altered my schedule because I wanted to get to know her more. I made a serious, intentional effort to get to know Christy. Going to Bible college was largely influenced. Uh, yes, to know God more, as I said, but to know Christy more, too, knowing that I now was going to spend the rest of my life with her. Listen, when I, and then when we got married, I didn't say, oh, now I've got to move in with her. You mean I got to lay in the same, sleep in the same bed as her now too? You mean like I, I, I got to spend more time with her? No, I, I was looking forward to that actually. <laughs> All of it. I wanted to get to know more of her. And, and we have spent, one of the strengths of our marriage is that we have spent the totality of our marriage trying to get to know and understand one another and growing closer to each other. We've had those tough seasons where you know, it's been difficult, but we've never honestly, maybe not, not a day, not a few days, but we've never gone backwards in our marriage. We've always gradually grown in our marriage because we're always trying to know each other more and to grow closer together. So you see, relationships are not static. They're dynamic. They're, they're living things, and so is your relationship with God. So, are you going to grow closer to God, or are you going to grow farther apart from God? This is spiritual maturity. Every day, you are deciding to grow closer to God. This is spiritual maturity. Last week, we said that spiritual maturity is made up kind of three layers, three markers, if you will, that will give you, that you can measure, uh, that you can build to grow on your spiritual maturity. One was spiritual intimacy. Two is biblical knowledge. Three is holy obedience. These three together intertwine, engage your heart, your head, your mind, and your will. If you have one without the other two, 
If you're missing one of these, you're going to be sort of off balance. You're, you're going to have deficiencies in critical areas of your walk with God. It, it could come to a point where your spiritual growth is undermined, especially in critical times, in tough times. Last week we talked about spiritual intimacy, and this week we're going to talk about biblical knowledge. Listen, in every situation in life, every decision, anything that involves morals or your values or your ethics, the people you choose to go into relationships with from that special one to everyone else around you, how you govern yourself as a spouse, your career path, your college path, or what you do in school, all of this, how you manage your time and your finances, all of these meaningful, critical areas of life, they, you have to continually make decisions in them or, or ponder them, what you will do, how, the person you will be, how will you approach them? And when you're doing that, there's always this kind of one question that exists or should exist that is going on within yourself as you approach every single one of these things, business, career, college, relationships, life, what I'm doing this morning, what I'm doing tonight, you know, that are critical. All There's always this one question, and the question should be, is that true? Say that with me. Is that true? In any and every situation where you're having to make an important decision or any meaningful decision, you're asking yourself, is that true? Biblical knowledge is to mature your thinking to help you understand God so that with all these issues that pertain to making up the whole of your life, you're asking yourself this question, is that true? That's what's going on inside of you. What I'm thinking, is that true? What I'm adding up in my head, is that true? When I'm thinking of the, is that true? For instance, God loves us so much that he does not expect, expect us to change as long as we love him and he loves us. Is that true? Life should be fair. Is that true? Being a Christian should be easier. Is that true? My, don't answer this one. My spouse should meet all my needs. Is that true? Evolution relies on science, creationism, God created the world, relies totally on faith. Is that true? God only uses spiritually strong people who have their lives together. Is that true? Divorce is never a sin. Is that true? Divorce is a sin. Is that true? My money is mine. I work for it. And how I spend to use it has nothing to do with God, the church, or my faith. Is that true? There's a heaven but not really a hell. Is that true? How I feel about something and my own experience, especially things about God, is really, what, whether, is really what makes it true. Is that true? There are many ways to get to heaven. Jesus is only one of those ways. Is that true? Getting drunk, getting high, getting buzzed, that's okay. God has nothing against this. Is that true? Living together without marriage is a good option, a way to get to know one another. Is that true? What, here's a, what is your source of truth? How have you come to conclude on any of these or all of these? What are you going to rely on? Not only when you can reflect on something for distance, but when you're in the moment, at any given moment, when you're asking yourself that question, is that true, what are you going to do? Usually, for the most part, you're going to run it, those questions through one of three things. 
First, you're going to run it through as a person who's a, who's a believer, who's following Jesus. You're going to run it through God's Word. Second, you're going to run it through people's words, friend, family, you know, blogs, internet, media, radio, whatever. You, you're going to run it through people's words. And third, you're going to run it through your own word, that narrative that you got going on in your head. To answer all these questions I've tossed out here and many, many, many other words. What are you going to lean on? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 16 says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know that you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which is the Bible, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. All Scripture, all of the Bible is God-breathed. Whether you believe that or not, it is God-breathed. The Bible is not just another book. It, it, its words are God-breathed, and therefore it is true. And it's a truth that breathes life. I'm going to keep saying that because you've got to get that. You want to be encouraged by it. You want to be excited by that. You want to be comforted by that. It's a truth that breathes life into all of your living, into all parts of your life, into every decision you're going to make. God's Word is the first place you go. Is that true? Is your way of answering and God is the first, that, that's the question you have to answer, and God's Word is where you go to. This is where a lot of people sort of get stuck, start to toot, and go in the wrong direction. They're moving along in this thing we call the faith, going to church, getting to know God, and then boom, they hit this place where they have to make this decision. Something's happening in their life. It's challenging. It's difficult. And they kind of default back to people, what they've seen and experienced, what they know, what's in their head, what people are telling them, what the comment, what's commonly done in culture. And they're looking at God's Word. It's there, but they go on people's words, their own word. They don't take in the Word of God. They don't take in what God has breathed, what He wants to breathe into their life. Some people, they find this kind of median that seems to suffice them and helps them sleep better at night. And it, it's kind of like a kind of a half-baked concoction, if you will, uh, of God's Word and, 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 and people's words, or God's Word and people's words and their words, or, or this kind of mixture and variation of all of that. Listen to me. Half-truths breathe lies and loss into your life. Oh, hear that this morning. Hear that deeply. Not to be injured, to be encouraged. To right now know that God is speaking into your life when he says those half-truths, that, that's a lie. It's a lie from the pit of hell. And you know that. And it brings loss into your life. Oh, but you know that too, right? No more lies, no more loss. We want to live, and we want God's truth breathing life into our living, yes? One of the things that um, helped me, and this is, this is sad, it, it, and, and it always, it's just a sad thing as part of my walk with God, um, is I've mentioned to you that 
uh, I was introduced to a church in my teens, and I came to know Christ. I fell away. I came back, and really, part of all of that, of me coming into the faith and coming back, were a group of believers, of Christians, that took me in and cared for me and gave me, in, in many, in some critical areas, an incredible display of what it was to be a Christian. So I come into the faith, and I, I mean, I just dive in, right, like head first. Shroom! And over time, I start to realize, wow, there's, because I knew them very well. I lived in their homes, been around them. And now, and I'm like, wow, you know, wow, there's some inconsistencies here in particular areas of their life. I wasn't being critical. It's not a good thing to do when you come to faith and you start getting on your feet, you start looking and pointing at others. Don't do that. That's just, really, that's just so disruptive and hurtful to you and, and to those who, who are around you. I wasn't looking at it that way. I just noticed that, okay, I mean, because they were so, I, I love them as I do today, and I admire them, and I still admire them in, in many areas of their life, and I certainly thank God for them right to the end. Can't wait to get to glory and see him standing next to me and saying, man, in front of Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you. Though as I began to kind of read the Bible and, and, and learn, I'm like, wow, so maybe that wasn't a good thing. Oh, I always wondered why they did that, you know? I started, but you know what really got me sad and wasn't, when I noticed that, was when I began to see their lives fracture. It was painful for me. I began to see their lives come apart in some critical areas to, to a point where I was helping them now and to a point where I, I couldn't even help them. It was getting so bad. Not one, but most of them. And it was a really sad, it, it rattled me. And it even shook Christy because she knew some of them. Uh, people I admired, I loved, who were so critical in, in me coming to a Christ, how now they were, their lives were coming apart. And, uh, and what was happening? They were mixing what they had known and what God's word was with, with culture and with what they thought was their word and other people's word. They were trying to find that kind of comfortable median, and there really is no comfortable median. It's just lies and loss, you know? And all of it wreaked, and yet there was so much better for them. There was so much more for them. I know because by God's grace and his mercy, here I am, huh? And you know what? They're, they're, honestly, they were better people than I was. I, I still think they're better people than I am. Uh, truly, I, I don't say that as a false humility. I, I mean it sincerely. If you were to meet them, you'd say, oh, wow, that, <laughs> they're nicer than Pastor Day on any given day or moment. Listen. Listen to what King David said in Psalm 1, the first Psalm. Actually, Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, gossipers, slanderers. Don't do that. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord, meaning the word of God, and who meditates on his law, word, day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. You see verse 2 there, it's speaking of the person who's blessed. They're filled with joy. Goodness has come into their life because they've meditated on God's word. That word, that, that the the term there, the, meditate, in the original language there, that word means to ponder, to kind of chew on. And if you do that, verse 3 says, if you ponder and chew on and 
cultivate God's word in your heart and mind that you'll be like a tree planted by a stream, getting plenty of nutrients and good water. Good stuff is coming into you and you're, you're growing and maturing and you're, you're, your roots are going deeper and broader. Isn't that cool? You know, you're, you're, we talked about, I think it was the last sermon of the Running in Giant series. We talk about expanding your life, expanding your perspective. And that's what's happening now. You're expanding and you're able to, because now you're able to withstand what's, gonna hap- what's happening in life. You're going to expand the challenges that come to you. There's a tree in California. It's called General Sherman. Have any of you heard of this tree? Okay. Wow, I didn't know this thing existed. It's the largest tree when measured by volume in the world, and it's in California. It's about 280 feet high, and it's about 100, I think it's 102 feet in circumference. That's a massive tree, right? It blows your mind. Well, this is what David is talking about in Psalm 1. This is the growth that God brings into your life when God's Word is breathed into your life. Don't you want that this morning? Is is this what you want? To have strong, to be stronger in your life, to have a great inner strength, to navigate those moments when difficulties come, when decisions have to be made, to have greater, to have greater depth in your marriage, because <laughs> you know, and in relationships, because you know, man, there's going to be conflict and there's going to be difficulties and there's going to be uncertainties, and and you just gotta have that depth. Those roots gotta grow deep, and that's what God's word does when you're making decisions from the word that breathes life. Not shallow, but depth. You want to have a fullness in your life. That happens when you turn to God's word first. Not as an accessory, not as an option, but first. And that word will breathe life into your life. The more you do this, the more you learn about God. Early on in our our marriage, Christy and I, uh, we, through some really incredible and I'll say divine circumstances, we wind up owning a two-family home. And we're renting an apartment, which is directly across the street from the two-family home. Uh, my grandfather, we've taken him in and we're caring for him. The way it works out, though, is we, we stay in the apartment. We don't move into two-family because on the first floor is a, a dear elderly woman who's been living there for 38 years as a tenant. I'm not going to kick her out, right? <laughs> And the second floor wouldn't work for my grandfather because, you know, he's like 80, 90 at the time. And so we decided, you know what, the place is open. Kind of at the same time, we hear about someone we know who we went to Bible college with, and that person is related to a very good friend of ours who we went to Bible college with. So we're like, you know what, we're going to help them out. We're going to, like, give them very little rent. And, and we helped them out with some furniture. We got them in there. Well, after a short time... Man, they just start losing it. The way they're living their life, the things they're doing. I mean, it, it's just, it's just, it was simply not in, it was a gross violation of God's word and, and God's principles. It just was, it was bad for, from a, as a property owner perspective. Like, you just can't do that, man, you know? And so we had to, although gently and kindly, approach this person and talk to them about this. Well, what happened was that person who was living there, that tenant, and the person who we knew really well from Bible college, they began to make things up and lies about me and Christy. And they began to deceive about what was happening in the situation. And it was, it was really difficult and really painful. I mean, what do you do with that? When somebody betrays you, they were betraying us, our goodness, our kindness, friendship. What do you do with that? Well, in my book, you get even, man, you know? <laughs> 
I certainly know in, in culture, in the world's book, certainly the culture I grew up in, you get even. Is that true, though? If I went to the Word of God, what would that tell me? Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. It says, since God shows you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. So at that point right there as I'm reading, I get annoyed. It's just, I get annoyed. I don't want to read this. I mean, I'm struggling with unforgiveness. And I read that, and it's just not preferable. It's pushing back against where I'm going in my head. You know, like I'm replaying the situation. Do you do that? Where I'm thinking, you know what? I should have said that when they said that, and, and I should have this. Now, now I'm going to do it. Wait, I, I, I'm going to do And that's where I'm going. But that's not, that's my word. That's not God's word. Where I'm thinking is going to bring loss and lies and death and an undermining of any healing. And, want, and leave me with things that will play out in my head for years to come, which is what the devil will continually work through. But God has life, not death. So it goes on to say in verse 13, Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony, all things working together. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. If you want to breathe life into living, you've got to have God breathe his word into your life to stop you from carrying a grudge, to help you to be forgiving. You can't treat people the way they deserve to be treated because God did not treat you the way you deserve to be treated. You can't be thinking, well, that's what they would do to me. Well, that, this is what other people do. Is that true? That's what people do. That's what they do. In, even in church, I've seen people do it. Is that true? Or is what you're taking in and what you're going to base your decision on half truths or no truth? Is that true? My life should be free from suffering and pain and difficulty. Right now, I shouldn't have this. Is that true? I mean, so two to three weeks, the last two or three weeks, three of, I don't know if I've said this from up here, I might have, but three of my children are in physical therapy. Um, my mother-in-law, who lives next to me, and her life is very intertwined in our lives, she has hip surgery. <laughs> my, the, the physical therapist comes every, like twice a day, I think they come, and my father-in-law walked out one day, he goes, yeah, he goes, she's getting physical therapy, I need mental therapy, <laughs> he says. <laughs> Poor guy, sorry, are they here? Okay, I, I didn't think they were here, okay. Uh, there's some other issues and challenges that are taxing. And then, in the midst of all this, my dog, who, you know, all kidding aside, we care for him deeply, especially my, my kids, he has to have, he becomes lame, he can't walk, and he has to have major surgery, which all of this, but especially this last part with the dog, is taxing on his schedule and, and, and on the finances and all that. But you know what? Fortunately, with all this difficulty, there's some light at the end of the tunnel, right? And then yesterday comes, and we have this moment where the dog gets out, the kids are trying to get the dog, the dog is in the car, I'm on the phone, all of a sudden I hear screaming, yelping, dog crying. I do what every good dad would do. I, I start yelling at my kids, what did you do, what did you do? <laughs> the dog is shaking, he's quivering, he's screaming. 
I'm like, oh my God, I pick him up, I bring him in the house, I got tears in my eyes. Send Chris, I said, just tell Chrissy, just get out of here, take the kids, get out of here. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm done, man, I'm, I'm, I need space, just, I, I, I'm, I'm melted. I, I just, I guess this all is just gone to me, I'm not right, just, I need space, just go, take the kids, get out, and let me take care of this dog. I take the dog, I take the dog to the vet. We get there, uh, not the, one who, the doctor who operated on him, but the other doctor comes in and uh, looks at him, examines him quickly and stops and says, you know what, before I go further, how you doing emotionally today? How you doing? <laughs> so I looked at him, I said, I'm drained at this point. I am drained. I says, uh, well, I'm pretty drained emotionally, so, you know, I'm pretty numb. So this probably would be a good time. He said, um, I'm pretty sure that uh, what happened to your dog's right leg, somehow it's now happened to his other leg. And I think strongly that you're going to have to go through this all in his other leg very soon. And I'm just, <laughs> whoa. So what do I do with that, you know? And, and, and I mean, how could this be happening to me? I'm driving home and I'm thinking like, God, okay, you're just like, you know, wh why? Why is this going on right now? What, what, you know, how do I just add this up? And you know, I don't think it phased him <laughs> when, I, when I began to complain a bit or get a little protective. I, I don't think it phased him. Thank God, because he's a holy God and he'd squash me. But instead he has mercy on me and he's tender and gracious and loving. Look what read, it reads in James chapter 1, verses 2, 3, 3. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, Consider it an opportunity for great joy. Listen to me. I'm speaking and preaching maturity into your life. I'm speaking and preaching growth into your life. This is, this is what this is. This is what is going to help you grow. This is, going, this is what's going to propel you forward. This is what is going to expand your world. Verse 3, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Don't you want a chance to grow? Yeah, and of course, when, I, when I'm reading this, I, I get annoyed with James too. I'm like, yeah, sure, James, you know, I'm not really feeling joy right now, right? You know, easy for you to say <laughs> when you wrote this, right? Actually, it wasn't easy for James to say this. His family, his close friends, they were being persecuted. Some were being killed because of their ethnicity, because of their faith. Horrific persecution. And in the midst of all this difficult and uncertainty, we trust God's Word. It's true, and it brings and breathes life, which is what we need in the most difficult times. Listen, and you will have joy. Circumstances might not change. <laughs> Nothing has changed right now. I got up, I looked at that dog. Nothing's changed, but you can have joy in the midst of your circumstances. And the reason why is I'm believing that somewhere in all this, God's hand exists. Why? Because His Word tells me it right here. God is looking to work on me, on my marriage, on my children, in this home. I, I, there's something that I've missed. I have a blind spot. I do. I don't know about you, but I got blind spots. And God is going to work through this for me to see another blind spot. There's a hole. There's a gap. There's something. Satan is prowling. And God wants to protect me. God wants me to persevere. God wants to grow us. And he's going to work. And he does not sleep. He does not slumber. He is faithful. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And he will work in my home. And feel me, yes? And not one morsel less will he do that for you. Not one. 
because he delights in you and he loves you and he wants to see you grow deeper and closer to him. So will you mature spiritually today? In John chapter 17, Jesus prayed, may they be one with God the Father as he is. He's talking about us. Oswald Chambers writes, little lengthy, but I want to, I want to give this to you. He writes in his devotional, which is kind of like these daily things, short passages, reflections on, on the Bible, verses in the Bible. And his is called, my utmost for his highest. It's a, tr a treasure. And he says, are you helping God to answer Jesus' prayer in John 17, or do you have another goal in life? He goes on to write, God does not ask, do you want to go through the loss of a loved one, this difficulty or this defeat? No, he allows these things for his purpose. The things we're going through are either making us sweeter, better, more nobler men and women, or they are making us more critical, more fault-finding, and more likely to try and control and, and make things go our own way. If we pray regarding our own lives, your will be done, as Jesus did in Matthew chapter 26, God's Word, then we'll be encouraged and comforted by Jesus' prayer in John 17, knowing that our Father is working according to His own wisdom to accomplish what is best, His will in our lives. Some of us are far from this oneness with God, and yet God loves us, and He will not leave us alone. He pursues us until we are one with Him, because that's what Jesus prayed, that we will be one with our Father in heaven. When you face trials, let the Bible, God's Word, be the first place you turn to. Be weary of being led by what people say or what you're hearing. Be weary of, well, the Spirit is leading me or, or, or well, I, I, you know, God is showing me this. Does it line up with His Word? Is it go to the Word first, not what you feel God is? You know, the Spirit of God can speak to us and lead us and guide us, but He's not going to contradict His Word because first and foremost, it is God's Word that's breathed into our lives. That is the foundation of my maturity. I am simply stunned and at times offended and almost always filled with sorrow when I see people say, God has led me to do this, or God is leading me, or God is telling me. And I'm like, what you're saying and the circumstances and in context, it's entirely void of a substantial amount of God's truth. And I got to tell you, I assure you, a holy God is so offended by this. Go to the Word, not your Word, not people's Word, but the Word of God. I just want to tell you, you know what, if, if you, you, you know, you're welcome, you, I'm here, I'm your pastor, you can come and, and, and ask me questions. We have something called Right Now Media, and you can go on there and you could study from all different teachers. I mean, hundreds of teachers on, any, on so many books of the Bible, but you go to a life group. You, you, you go to the, one of these life groups, and they sit there, and they talk about the Bible, and, and you know, Titus and, and these different books, and, and you get to learn about the Bible. And as God would have it, I'm telling you that what's going to go on in that day, what's going on in your life, or what's coming that week that you don't know about, but God in His holiness, in His sovereignty is ordained that this is happening in your life. And now, to, if here you are, you're going to hear the Word in context, the truth of it, coming from others, and it's going to resonate in you and prepare you now 
to stand for, to live and to receive that life-giving word, breathe into your life and what's coming, yeah? That's what our groups are about. I so encourage you to join them. And you can have God's word breathe into your life and you can have fun at the same time. You want the benefit of a close, growing, mature relationship with God. You might be in here today and you've just been used to listening more of your own words, not God's word or other people's words. Make God's word first this morning and make God's word the loudest that's resounding in your heart and mind. The greatest truth of all of Scripture is that God gave his son Jesus so that we could have eternal life, yes? And we can laugh at that, we can smile at that, that we can take joy in it. It's a beautiful thing. That's the truth. All truth comes from there that he loves you, that he gave Jesus so that you would not have eternal damnation. You want to know that truth today. And the truth is that if you believe that, and if you confess that, that you believe it, and if you acknowledge that you have been sinful, and you want to turn from that life and turn to God, that this is true, that it says that God is with you, and that you can have peace, and you can have joy, and that most of all, you can have eternal life and know Jesus. And if that's you this morning, we thank God that you are now amongst us, and you are one of those witnesses of this great cloud of faith, and you're going you're gonna to walk this, your life through in this precious journey of knowing God, of seeing things for how they are, uh, truly with more clarity and a greater comfort and more courage. And your future looks greater than ever because you're filled with hope. See, God's word, it just breathes hope into us. And if that's you today, and you've come to that place, as you're hearing them, the, the band today sing that song, and more and more God, Holy Spirit, is just touching you and melting your heart and drawing you closer to God, you want to take that card that says, uh, my next steps, it's the light gray side. You want to check off the box that says, I am starting a new relationship with Jesus today. I am renewing my relationship with God. Today is the day where it is God's word first and foremost in my life, yes? If that's you, you do that. My friends, let's grow spiritually mature this summer. Let's hold on and increase in our biblical knowledge. Let that be the first thing we turn to. Is that true? What does the Bible say? To God be the glory.